this here. So, so she has a child. We fast forward. The child is older now, and he went out to help his father. This is verse 18 of 2 Kings chapter 4, who was working with the harvester. So the boy is old enough to go into the field, okay? So just, I don't know how many years later this is. Suddenly he cried out, my head hurts, my head hurts. Now remember, this child is the miracle gift that this woman had been given without her even asking, but God knows our pain points. God knows our desires. So if we could trust him just by coming to him because of him, he can sort this out. But look at what then happens. Remember, like I said yesterday, when Paul said, all I know is that what's ahead of me is probably suffering. Well, this is suffering. She got what she wanted, the most precious thing in her life, I'm sure. Her riches didn't account for this. You can't pay for this, right? And so they carried him home to his mother, verse 20. So the servant took him home, and his mother held him on her lap. But at around noontime, he died. That's just such a sad picture. On her lap, just imagine this picture. She sees her son die. The hope, the greatest hope in her life, is dead. Money can't pay for this. The world cannot mend this. There's nothing the world can do. And she's holding on to her hope, and it literally slips away from her hands. But what does she do next? She carried him up and laid him on the bed of the man of God. She took her pain and put it into the very presence of God. She laid up the death in her heart and brought it into the presence of God, the place that she knew God was. That is outrageous faith. Outrageous faith. That is general in the Lord's army kind of faith. We need to work towards that. Let's be honest. When we take our deepest pains and we give it into the present, we lay it on the bed somewhere very intimate and lay it down. Then she shut the door and left him there. It's almost like, God, I put this and I give it to you. This is called laying your burdens down. You ever, you've heard that scripture. This is her heaviest burden. She laid it down in the presence of God. That is walking by faith, right? She sent a message to her husband. Send one of the servants and a donkey so that I can hurry to, man, to the man of God and come right back. Her mind, she's like, I put this... I put this burden on the Lord. I've laid it down at the foot of the cross, let's say. This is the struggle and the pain I have right now. But now my mind is not to chase the problem, but to chase the man of God, to chase the presence of God. This is a path in life that we, we can use in any circumstance we find. We come into the presence of God. We welcome the presence of God for God, not with our needs. When our needs are met and then when struggles come, even when our needs are met, some of our greatest desires look like they're in peril. You put it back into the presence of God. You lay it down. You shut the door. That means you're trusting the Lord with that problem. Then you chase after the presence of God. Why go today, he asked her. It's neither a new moon festival nor a Sabbath. This is, this is unusual. What are you doing? A weird thing. This is unnatural what you're doing. 
That's a picture of life today. It's this walking by the Spirit of God takes supernatural acts, weird stuff, right? This is like the husband's like, why are you doing this, love? This doesn't make any sense. It's not even a holy day. And you're chasing after God. It's like, absolutely. Because I know that this is the only thing that matters. She, she started off by desiring the presence of God. And then when she got in trouble and in need, what does she do? She hunts down the presence of God. She puts her energy into it. But this is what I find amazing. She answers him and says, in this version, it says, it will be all right. In another version, it says, it is well. You just pause for a minute. The, the greatest joy in her life literally slipped away from her hands. She lays it down in the presence of God. She shuts the door on it. She says, that's yours, Lord. It's in your bed. It's in your house. It is well. I'm going to chase after God. It is well. The husband's probably like, oh my goodness, you are a gangster for the gospel. You're a gospel gangster, lady. Because I'm looking at this like, this is crazy talk. That doesn't make sense. Where's our son? I've given him to the Lord. Where's our hope? I've laid it down in the presence of God. I've shut the door. I'm not going to attack it. Those, those pain points in my life, I'm not going to try to solve it. I'm going to trust that when it's in the bed, in the presence of God, in the most inner sanctuary, I'm going to shut the door and I'm going to believe that God has it. Isn't that interesting? Paint this picture in your life. This is how we can live by faith and not by sight. And this is how we can go through suffering and say, it is well. It's a powerful thing, right? So she saddled the donkey and said to the servant, hurry, don't slow down unless I tell you. There's an urgency. She's like, this is no dilly-dallying. I must get to the presence of God. Nothing can stop this. Saddle up. Let's go. Let nothing get in the way. I don't want distractions. I don't want ideas. I don't want my own thoughts. I don't want to give it even time. I don't want to foster any thought that is not just get into the presence of God. There's another point. There's another stepping stone if you want to walk like this woman. As she approached the man of God at Mount Carmel, Elijah saw her in the distance and he said to his man Gehazi, Look, the woman from Shunem is coming. Run out to meet her. Obviously, he has a real connection with her, right? Because he's, she's fed him, now she's housed him, and then there's a miracle, there's a, there's a connection, there's a relationship. Run out to meet her and ask her. This is fascinating. Again, remember when he asked her the first time, what do you want? And this, so Elijah asked her again, is everything all right with you, your husband and your child? What does she answer? Does she go, no, he's dead, to the, to the servant? See, this is interesting. She was only interested in the, the core connection to God. She didn't want to go to the halfway point. What do we have? The Holy Spirit, direct connection to Jesus, to our Father. We No mediator here on earth. No thought, no nice idea, not yourself, not your mind. Your mind can try to be this guy. Your mind can be Gehazi. I will try to figure this out. 
tell your Gehazi mind to be quiet. Does that make sense? We can walk like a Gehazi brain people. And Gehazi had good intentions. But that's not what she desired. That is not the source that she requested. She said, without haste, saddle up the donkey and run. And when something gets in the way, that's not what I'm interested in. So what does she respond when he says, is everything all right with you, your husband and your child? Yes. The woman told Gehazi, not the presence of God that she wanted. So when the lies of the enemy come, what do you say? No, it's not. No, you say, it is well. When the struggles of life come and hit you, and you're doubting, what do you say? It is well. Does that make sense? This is faith. Everything is fine. She doesn't just say yes. She goes, everything is fine. Can you see like smack talk? That's, called, that's what Rosie and I call faith smack talk. That's a smack on the circumstance. Yes. Is everything all right? Yes. And further to that, everything is all right. We can take something from this. So whatever we're suffering with or going through, God knows. God knew the need of this woman and she built up such a maturity in her faith that she had a lioness kind of faith. I'm not going to be distracted by the Gehazis of this world even though they're well-intentioned. They may even have been sent from those same sources. My source or my help comes from the Lord and the Lord alone. Nothing in this world will satisfy but God. Nothing else in this world matters but God. That's why she said everything is fine. But when she came to the man of God at the mountain, when she came into the presence of God, then she fell to the ground. This is the scripture. And before him and caught hold of his feet. She humbled herself before the presence of God and grabbed hold of the feet. The feet is not nice to hold on to. Is it? The feet is just, yeah. They've been walking around in the mud, walking around the mountains, shepherds. There's all kinds of stuff on people's feet. But she humbled her. The picture of this is she humbled herself before God. And it was only God that she would do it to. When the Gehazis of this world came, she did not. She said, it is fine. I've, oh, but you had that huge problem. I've closed the door. It's in God's presence. Don't bring that to me. It's fine because I'm trusting that it's in God's presence. You see how she separated the problem from herself and gave it to God. That's called, I'm laying that burden down. And so her demeanor to the rest of the world was, I'm good. It is fine, not because she's being stupid, but because she is in the mindset of only God will deal with this. Only God in secret will fix this. Bear, just look at the picture beforehand. The stuff that happened, happened behind closed doors. Elijah kept saying, close the door, shut the door. Only God, you and I know the problem. The Holy Spirit knows your problem, so shut the door and let God do a miracle in close quarters. Trust in God's presence. Don't need to be blabbing it out. And see what God would do. 
She did, he did that with the woman with the oil. What did he say? Close the doors, grab all the pots and fill them up, then sell it and then keep the rest for your son. See, I provided for you in the secret. God provides in the secret. That's why he says we walk behind, shut the door. And then when she walked into the world, she'd shut that door in the presence of God and said, I, I'm good. It is well. Everything is fine. But when she came into the presence of God, that's when she then opened up in humility and grabbed hold of his feet. Gehazi began to push her away. There goes that mind again. The Gehazi mindset. Don't come into the presence of God and humble yourself. Stop it. You see how the world works? How we work? Our flesh works? We don't want to humble ourselves in the presence of God because it's too raw. But she, she knew something because she'd seen God's faithfulness even when she didn't ask for it because she only wanted God for God. So she'd seen the fruit of that. And she trusted on that. And that was her anchor. She remembered and counted the blessing, counted God's faithfulness and goodness. She remembered that God gave her something that she desired even when she didn't ask for it because all she desired was God. But the man of God said, leave her alone. Like, brain, get out of the way. She's deeply troubled, but the Lord has not told me what it is. So Elijah was like, there's something going on here. I don't even know what it is. But there's something of a hunger of this woman that gets God's notice. Now, obviously, God knows. But it, it's, it's her. I'm talking about her. This is a picture for us. Then she said, did I ask you for a son, my Lord? And didn't I say, don't deceive me and get my hopes up? So she starts to elude in the presence of God. She starts to, you can see her praying, God, you gave me this. And my hopes are on, on the line, basically. And then Elijah said to Gehazi, get ready to travel. Take my staff and go. Don't talk to anyone along the way. Again, there's a go quickly and lay the staff on the child's face. There's like a let's get into business. Let's not let things get in the distraction. And then there's even a little bit of a distraction here because um, I'll, I'll share it with you in a minute. Uh, go quickly and lay the staff on the child's face. So he sends Gehazi ahead. Right? And says, take my staff, this thing, and, and lay it on the child's face. There, there's another, remember what I said Gehazi represents? Okay? Like, our, our, our method, our, we'll make this work. I'm going to fix this myself. I'm going to take a staff that I know comes from God, or it's a good tool. And I'm going to get a Gehazi, and I'm going to get Gehazi to go ahead of me. And look what happens. But the boy's mother said, As surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, this is verse 30, I won't go home unless you go with me. I will not leave this place until, unless God's presence is with me. It's not enough to send my brain, to send my action, to send my own tool or your tool. I need the presence of God because I know that that's where my help comes from. So Elijah returned with her. Elijah was like, you, you go ahead. You She's like, no, 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 I need the presence of God. Why is that? She had an understanding that was even greater than Elisha the prophet. She saw something he didn't even see. He thought this is enough. She's like, it's not enough. Only what you carry, the presence of God, is what's going to make this enough. 
Gehazi hurried on ahead and laid the staff. This is what I mean, the Gehazi moment. Our own efforts. Laid the staff on the child's face, but nothing happened. There you go. Our own efforts will try, even with good intention. Remember I said Gehazi is a good intention person. He's a servant. Nothing happens. There was no sign of life. It didn't bring back that which she desired, which was life. He returned to meet Elijah and told him, the child is still dead. The hope is still gone. It's not working. Can you see? It's amazing, this journey. This is what Paul was talking about. That's why he said, all I know is there's going to be some suffering going on. There's going to be some jail time. She would have felt in jail, right? Probably worse than jail. Lost her hope. When Elijah arrived, the child was indeed dead, lying there on the prophet's bed. Still in the presence that she thought, but it needs God's touch. He went in alone and shut the door behind him and prayed to the Lord. There's that alone time with the Lord again. Not in front of the public. This is a miracle that's going to be worked out in the private but then becomes known to the public to encourage others. Then he lay down on the child's body, placed his mouth in the child's mouth. Basically, he laid right on top, his eyes on the child's eyes and his hands on the child's hands. And as he stretched out on him, the child's body began to grow warm. Verse 35, Elijah got up, walked back and forth across the room once, and then stretched himself out again on the child. There's a, a, there's a travailing, there's a pushing through. It wasn't just like an instantaneous thing. There's multiple steps and multiple Gehazi moments. And she, they could have given up, could they not? When they put the staff on? Oh, I didn't work. Okay. Well, then I, 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 I just... No, she was like, no, I want the presence of God in this. What I'm trying to encourage us with today is we want to have a mindset like this woman. That says, only God's presence is enough. This time... The boy sneezed seven times and then opened his eyes. So the boy woke up. Only God's presence answered. Then Elijah summoned Gehazi, called the child's mother, he said. And when she came in, Elijah said, Here, take your son. She fell at his feet and bowed before him, overwhelmed. She fell in the presence of God, overwhelmed with gratitude. This woman lived with gratitude, did she not? If you live with gratitude, it means that you don't always ask. You're thankful. What do you need? I'm good. Don't you have problems? It's well. Everything is good. Well, how do you live like that? Because I put it in the presence of God. Shut the door, man. You can't break that door. And I certainly don't want to mess with that door. It's in God's hands. I live with gratitude, with thankfulness. Then she took her son in her arms and carried him downstairs. Oh my goodness. What a story of redemption. What a story of faith. What a story of warrior activity. We can read that story and just so quickly just over and not even see can you see the faith of that woman? It's crazy, right? It's like, wow, I want to be like that woman. But it's so amazing because it gives us clear steps of how, if you really want and desire something, then we've got to change the way our, our lifestyle is, or even our prayer life, our word life. 
We walk, we usher the presence of God for the presence of God. Everything else will follow. Even when there's still struggles. It's powerful, isn't it? I don't know if you'll be able to, I, I won't ever be able to see the story of this woman in the same way. After just having that revelation, it's like, oh my word. It's powerful and it's faith inspiring. She walked downstairs back to her family with hope back in her heart. Now that could look different for all walks of life. Clearly we know things are happening in every family, hardships and trials. But the hope that is in us is what we will walk with when we trust like this woman. The gratitude that we can walk with that it is well. I love that. Yo, is everything all right? Yep. You sure? Everything is fine. It's in God's presence. Wow. And then the continuation leads to further faith giant steps. And then she walks with that hope. Now that hope looks different to every one of us in our walk. That joy will be manifested in a different way. But it's still a joy and a hope that comes only from chasing after the presence of God for the presence of God. Amen? I'm a real lover of old hymns and my favorite hymn is one um, that was written many hundreds of years ago and it's called It Is Well With My Soul. And the lyrics to one part go, um, when peace like a river attends my way or when sorrows like deep sea billows roll, whatever my lot you have taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. And um, as powerful as those lyrics are, the context is even more so, because that was written by a missionary to China who'd been out on the mission field for 20 years, felt their time was done, and were returning back um, to America. And his wife had gone ahead, and he was on the boat with his four children. Um, and it was obviously a very dangerous way to travel, but it's the only way that was afforded in that time. And um, so they're traveling back, there's a massive storm, and all of his children are lost over sea. And the next morning, as the sun rose, he stood on the deck and wrote those words, it is well with my soul. I can't imagine the grief. You know, have, you know, to lose a child is the greatest grief and to have lost all of, you know, to have lost your four children and write, whatever my lot, you have taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. And um, so just to be mindful of those things, it's, it's just like what Paul was saying, you know, that, that oft misquoted scripture about contentment where people say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul was talking from imprisonment and he was saying, I've been shipwrecked. I've been in prison. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's where my contentment comes from. That's how I can say it is well with my soul. No matter the circumstance, no matter the wave, it is well with my soul.